0: Ah!
1: Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host Danny B. Today's guest is Ben Peel, 14 years career in volunteer fire experience, currently a captain on Engine 1 with the Georgetown Fire and Rescue in Kentucky training trustee with the Central Kentucky Fools Group. One of Ben's responsibilities outside of being a husband and father is lead coordinator for the Georgetown Fire Symposium. That's right, his own fire department hosts training events for the men and women of their department, allowing for great outside training and lecture opportunities. Ben has a fantastic mindset for the job and it shows from this interview. With that, I present Mr. Ben Peel. My name is Ben Peel. Uh, I work with the
2: Georgetown Fire Department in Georgetown, Kentucky. Uh, I've been a firefighter for 14 years. Uh, first two or three years were a volunteer and then career for the last about 11. Uh, got a wife and two little girls, five and four year old. Been married 15 years, 14 years. So. <laughs> That's
1: okay. I do the same. <laughs> <I forget>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you said you, have, you said you have two daughters.
2: Yes. Yep. Yep. Five and four. I five
1: said. and four. Okay. All right. All yep. Right. Ember
2: and Eliza. So had to all go right. with the fire name for the first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, uh, I'm not sure if I interrupted you, but how how did you get into the fire service?
2: Yeah. Uh. So I kind of got into the fire service. My mother was a nurse. Uh. From pretty much almost 50 years, I think. Uh, working at University of Kentucky in the Children's Hospital, and so she used to see. She talked about the firemen coming in and out of the hospital all the time. I went to school with a lot of kids that their dads were firemen in Lexington, Kentucky. And so it was always kind of a passion of mine. It looked like a cool job. You know, everybody sees a red truck going down the road and the big handlebar mustaches. And a lot of the guys I knew were big, strong dudes. So it was always in the back of my mind. But I really liked cars when I was growing up, too. So when I got out of school, I wasn't a great guy in school by any means. So I went to trade school and became a mechanic. And while I was doing that, I kind of realized doing your hobby is not great sometimes because, you know, I'd work on cars all day and then I'd go home and want to work on a project of mine, but then you'd be tired. You know, I would say like the plumber has the worst plumbing in the neighborhood. So I didn't really like doing that. So I started looking at other avenues and, you know, probably 11 years ago when I got on, you had to basically have your EMT to get a fire department job pretty much anywhere around this area. So I started doing that, getting an idea, dabbling in it. And then a lot of guys were like, You know, it's better to have experience to come into the job. So I found a volunteer uh, department that was pretty close to where I lived here in Georgetown, stamping ground on the outskirts, Uh, kind of a little community, very small, one station, one apparatus. Uh, But there's a lot of guys that worked from other departments career around the area that live there. So I kind of got into that, started working with a lot of those guys. And I really found out that I love the job, you know, making I want to say they maybe made 300 calls a year at that department but every call was like the coolest call ever, you know, in the beginning, it's, you know, starting out. So, so I really enjoyed that. And then every once in a while you catch a good wreck or, you know, possible barn fire and things like that. So at that point, I pretty much knew I was going to put all my eggs in that basket. And I just started doing whatever I could going to getting our volunteer department to send me to outside training classes, trying to network with people, trying to figure out how to get in there. And I would say I probably put in for Ten to fourteen departments somewhere around the area, just around the central Kentucky area. Just trying to get my foot in the door, and uh, and then Georgetown called, and I got in their process. And man, that was once I got in there, and I already knew some of those guys from working in the community. But it was, I I loved it. I mean, it was the adrenaline rush. You know, as a younger kid, I was kind of an adrenaline junkie, and once I started doing those fires and things like that, it was just, I loved it. It was awesome. It was all I wanted to do after that.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Georgetown? Uh, how many stations, personnel, your size, call volume, things of that nature?
2: Yeah, we're, uh, I think the city that we cover is about 45 50,000. They say we're the fastest growing community in Kentucky, uh, fastest growing city in Kentucky. We have Toyota, which is the largest plant in the nation under one roof that builds Camrys and Avalons and now they're building hybrids and all this stuff. Uh, we run three stations we have three engines one true truck and then we run a battalion and then we also do a lot of uh, mutual aid with our county that surrounds us in the area of scott county so if there's any kind of fire or anything like that we're sending at least one engine from the city out to the county to respond with their units uh, we have like 55 line personnel right now i think is what we do so we try to do four on every apparatus but obviously, you know, people sick and vacation things, we're usually running three on engines. But the one good thing that we do get to do is we run a true truck and we always have four. We're always staffing four on our ladder truck, which is pretty rare around here. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I was short of Lexington, I think, and bigger cities than us. I think everybody's always either truck jumping or they're quints or they're only getting to run three. So luckily, our chief is really pushed to have four on that apparatus all the time.
1: All right. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely you definitely don't hear that um a lot. So that's that's no, no that's, it's that's pretty that's rare. Good. Yeah. And that good. was probably
2: in the last I think actually just this last year, he started fully staffing it at four every day. Okay. All right. So
1: um are you guys uh ALS or BLS?
2: BLS. Okay. Yeah, we don't transport. So we run with the we run on, you know, chest pains and all that stuff. But we're we're the guys that get to help them do the medical stuff, slide the stretcher in the back and Feet on the back of it, and wave by to him.
1: So. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, first question for you What so, does the term aggressive mean to you?
2: The aggressive term to me, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people take it as, you know, a lot of people initially think of it as somebody just going in there and just like kicking a door in and just, you know, throwing stuff and just pounding through. I think a lot of I think the better, better way to describe it or the way I would describe it as aggressive is it's usually you can you know the tasks that need to be done. You understand the information that's put in front of you and then you're making the, the quickest move you can with the information you have. So, you know, if you're showing up and you've got heavy fire, you know, showing out of multiple rooms on the second floor, you know, you're you're taking all the information in and, you know, you're you're making the decisions based off of that now. Once the you know the officer gets done with the 360, or you know somebody's giving you more information while you're stretching the line and things like that, now you can adjust that. But you know, I think some people take aggressive as you're not thinking. You know, mm-hmm. you're just you're just doing stuff. You're just grabbing tools and forcing the door, or just smashing window, going around the whole first floor and just smashing every window and stuff. You know, I think if you, I think a big thing that's changing the fire service is if. If we explain to people why we're telling them to do things in recruit school, or younger guys when they're asking questions, you know, why do I do this? Why are we doing this? It makes them be able to make those decisions when they see different conditions, you know, on scene. So that's kind of the way I would describe aggressive. You know, there's a lot of guys. I was, I, I, you know, I was kind of in that in between generation of people tell you to do something and you just do it. And then also once I was in the service for a little while, I was like, I'm going to start asking some questions when I go to these outside classes and be like, so why do you guys do this? You know, why do you stretch this way? Why do you use this hose load? Why do you do this tactic and things like that? And so, and and it's so much easier instead of telling a guy, Hey, pull this line. When this happens, you say, Hey, if you see this, this, or this pull this line, you know, if you see this, this, or this, this is what you should be thinking. So.
1: Okay. All right. Um, how did you come about going to outside training?
2: I got really lucky. Uh, when I first came on the service, there was a, uh, my first captain was a Marine and he was really motivated and he had kind of, when he came on, he had said there was a lot of older guys on the department then and he had really went into uh, specialized training. So, you know, like ropes and confined space, swift water and things like this. And he had told me, which this was probably the best advice I ever got is he was like, don't, don't focus on this stuff when you got two, three years on the job. And he's like, go out and do classes that are just making you do reps, pulling lines, searches, throwing ladders, you know, the basic stuff, the stuff that's not sexy really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he was like, go out and get good at that stuff. And then you can transition into, you know, more technical things. And I really took that to heart. Uh, I started just trying to find some classes, little pit, you know, little small things going around the area. And then uh, another captain from another shift that was an engine one uh, officer, he, uh, he kind of would steer me in the right direction. He was he was running our symposium that we have here in this area. And he was uh, he would just say, hey, man, I saw this class. It's really cheap. Just put in this paperwork and our department pays for us to go to outside training. So it's we've been lucky since I've started that it's pretty much if you want to go to a class, you just submit some paperwork. They're like, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. You're, you're qualified to do this head on out. And, uh, and then our, well, uh, our old chief had just retired maybe two years ago. He was a battalion chief then when I came on, he was my battalion chief and he was very passionate dude too, super aggressive. And he was like, man, you should do this. And he was the kind of guy that would tell you like, Hey man, you did good on this, but that sucked. So you should go do this and you should, you know, get better at this. And so I had a lot of guys that didn't you know, beat around the bush, like, oh, you're doing a pretty good job. Or, you know, they're like you need to get better at doing this. You should do it this way. And so just those three mentors alone pretty much steered me in that direction. Uh, that, that captain from another shift, he, he let me, uh, he won a ticket one time to FDTM and our department, it was, you know, it was pretty expensive to go. So our department only had a little bit of money to send guys to small classes. He had won that ticket and he was like, I can't go. I've got something to do. So let me send you to this class, and when I went to that class, that FDT, and you know, I think it was a fire boot camp where you do those six stations. Okay, dude, I just totally opened up my world. I mean, it was like ten years of experience in three days of just hard work, and it was it was awesome. And then luckily, from then on out, they had sent two other guys, and then they pretty much kind of started trying to send a lot of guys from our department to that class. But that place, I gained so much experience just in that three days alone.
1: Uh, I've I've heard really really good things from different people about FDTN. They're called uh, some firemen call it the Disneyland for firefighters.
2: That's that's exactly what it is. I, I mean, and, and the thing is, you just get so many reps. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I was going in there, I think I maybe had four or five years on. So you know, I'd talk to these other guys, and I'm like, I'm pretty squared away. I got you know, I got my cutters this way. I'm going to do this when this happens, and all that. And then you go there, and you're pretty exhausted right off the bat. Uh-huh. You know, you're trying to force, you know, I think it's like 68 doors or something like that in three or four hours, and you're crawling in smoke and having to put your face right up against the wall, you know, and trying to get the I think you had you had to do conventional on everything. So you're trying to put the forks up in the door and you're putting your face right there, and then the dude's just barely pecking on the axe. And I got paired up with a guy from Germany. So when we went to survival and writ and all that, he had never really done any of that stuff. So I right. was trying to coach him up a little bit, but then also I'm, you know, I was pretty young and I mean, it's hot in there. Mm -hmm. You're a little panicky and you're like, what do we do, man? You know, let me get my cutters out. And then you realize your waist strap is over top of your pocket and you can't get it with your gloves on. And and you definitely ain't taking your gloves off in there to try to do that (laughs) because it's way too hot. (laughs) So, I mean, there's just so many little things that we learn, you know, you know, air consumption, you know, just trying to slow your breathing down when you get a chance to pause and things like that. So, I mean, it was just, it's just so much experience you know for smaller departments where you're not running that many fires right you just get so many reps of it you're like oh that did not work i should try it this way and those guys as long as that set's burning at FDTN, you can keep going they're like hey man let's keep going until we burn the setup if you want to get seven reps and the other dudes are tired and we're sitting down they'll let you
1: keep going okay all right awesome awesome all right um so uh, with you being a company officer, I, I, I definitely would love to hear your your opinion and take on this. Uh, the next question is, should there be a years of service clause for promotion? You know, on
2: years of service, I mean, you know, you've got guys that you could work with that might have been in the service for 20 years. and But, the, you know, it's their first year over and over like that saying is. And then you've got other guys that may be on two or three years, but they're out getting as many reps as they can and they're diving into, you know, getting mentors and things like that. So, you know, it's really I think it's got to be like an all encompassing thing, really. You know, you've got to give if, if this guy has been here 20 years and he's a super solid guy or 15 years and he's got, you know, he's been a good, you know, he's been mentoring and he's helped train and, he, you know, he has an understanding of fire tactics and things like that. I think that's good. You know, in our, in our department, we kind of break it down. So it's, you know, a years of service, uh, an interview a, a practical and things like that. So, you know, they, it seems like we've done a fairly good job and it seems like a lot of departments, you know, you hear some of departments where people like just vote on people, which I've never been a part of one of those. So, you know, and, and sometimes popularity comes to it, you know, comes into it, even at that point, you know, the chief might be like, this guy's the guy that does the stuff that I want done a lot he's the guy that gets it done for me. But I mean, I think years of service now, I, I, you know, I mean, it weighs, like I said, it weighs a little bit, but for the most part, I think you got to look at the uh, encompassing officer or the people putting in for that position. You know, what have they done to get to that point too? Cause you may have some dudes that they say you got six boxes to check and they just check all those boxes a month before the process or something. Mm-hmm. And they slide right in there and there's this other dude has been working for three or four years doing this at a slow steady rate. Okay. So,
1: okay. All right. Uh, and re- regarding yourself, um, how long did it take for you to go, hey, I'm ready to to move to the next step of company officer? Well, actually, before I state that, how was how the <clears throat> ranking structure in Georgetown?
2: So our ranking structure is until uh, last year, it, it was you'd go from firefighter to captain, which would be officer in the, in the apparatus. And uh, and then you go to battalion chief and then we have assistant chiefs and then chief. Uh, so, but now we actually have an engineer position that they just enacted on our light, our, our, our truck company this year. So, it's actually like a promoted position. So, all our guys are taught to drive the engines as engineers. So, we kind of rotate around in the truck, but then our uh, engine or our truck officers or our truck drivers is actually a promoted position. So, now it's firefighter, engineer, captain. Okay. Uh, it took, I think I want to say, I've been promoted probably two, two and a half years. So around like eight and a half, nine years is when I promoted. And I'd seen a lot of the guys going into it. And I'd seen a couple, uh, some guys went in before me that got, you know, that were younger, but a lot of it was, I was very hesitant to go into that position and know, like I've seen, you know, I've seen, I read LODDs and I've seen what things happen, you know, when you have just stuff go bad at calls. And so I really wanted to take that to heart that when I was going to get promoted, I felt like I was, efficient enough at my own skills to be able to show up on scene and say you know this is what we're going to do this is how things are going to go basically I just had to feel confident in myself really is what it came down to before I Mm -hmm. felt like I could take that plunge and then honestly the first process we did I did not put a lot of effort into it I was kind of lazy about it and it it showed (laughs) and you know my chief or my old battalion chief was an assistant chief I believe and he kind of told me, he's like, listen, dude, if you're going to be, do this, you got to do it all the way. You can't just kind of read the books, kind of take the test, hope that your skills, you know, scenario wise are good enough. He's like this. You just look crappy showing up like this. Right. And so that was a good, you know, I mean, it's good to have straight shooters around you, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's pretty much what he told me.
1: <laughs> OK. All right. So you, you got it the second time around.
2: Uh, actually, the third.
1: Third, okay. Third
2: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they've Bye. slowly been, our department's really young, pretty young for the most part. We've had that big change over in the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. So they've actually kind of stretched out our scenario portion now where it used to be kind of a, a smaller system where you'd get like one to five points on things. So if you're, you pull this line, one to five on pulling the line, uh, given a good size of 360. Okay. But now they've actually broadened it out in our process where it is a lot more point values. Like what line did he pull? Where did he pull the line to? Okay. So, you know, it might be 20 points per question now. So it, it's, I kind of, I mean, it's good because we've made it considerably harder. You know, mm-hmm. really not hard. You've, we've broken it down a lot more as we've gone through. So it's good. But I look at some of those guys that are doing the test now and I'm like, man, I don't know. If you got to be squared away, you got to do those scenario drills for a month before you're going to go stand down in front of a group of guys and try to run a scene.
1: Okay. Okay. And with you getting it the third time, how much like I, I pretty much like the fact that you, you, you didn't get it the first time. But granted, you did admit you didn't really apply yourself. But after yeah. applying yourself and not getting it the second time, what made you continue? Because, you know, sometimes you have people uh, or, or individuals in this field where if they don't get it, you know, they're like, screw it, I'm done. You know, they get all upset. What kept you? What was your driving force to just keep going to get it until they told you it's yours?
2: Uh, the second time, you know, it stung real bad. You know, I mean, as much as I try to not have an ego, it, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of firemen are type A, I'm very type A, so I was, you know, I was like, can't believe this, can't believe these guys beat me out. Went, you know, sat down and talked to the Chiefs, and they were like, you know, they, they're like, here's what you did on this. And then they were like, you know, if you look at this, this, and this, this is what you didn't do. Right. So, you know, it probably took me a month or two to just swallow that and sulk for a while. But a lot of what <clears throat> kept me going is I knew, you know, luckily there was a lot of guys around me at our department that were like, Hey man, you know, keep trying, you, you know, you, you bring a lot to the table, but you know, I had a hand in doing like recruit training and things like that and on shift training a lot. <clears throat> so, and I think really, I mean, I, I'm not one to quit for the most part. So, I mean, I, I knew what I needed to improve on. I like a challenge. Uh, so I just started doing a lot more on scenarios and then I really tried to do really well on the written test. I've never been like a great book guy or, you know, school guy. Right. Right. So sitting down and reading Two, 3,000 pages of information and taking notes and things. And then other things I'd reach out to guys that had already passed the promotion process. The first, you know, the second time I didn't really get a lot of input. I kind of thought I knew what to do to get promoted. Okay. And then I realized the humble, you know, gotten kicked in the butt. Hey, I'm going to go to these guys that have already passed. What did you do? What did you do? You know, some of the guys would be like, Hey, here's how I studied. Hey, here's some of the stuff I do in the scenarios and things like that. So really it was just a way to get my, Butt kicked and get a little humble, going right. get a little humility. So,
1: right, okay, awesome. I like hearing <clears throat> it. I do because you know, I, I want I want people to take away that you know, in life, you're not always going to be able to get something your first try. You know, whether that's uh, yeah. a promotional exam, whether that's putting in for a bigger department that turns you down. You know, is because the, like there are some some people I know that have gotten turned down by big departments. You know, six. Seven times and they finally get on their eighth try. but it's just that determining factor of if that's what they want, they're going to continue to, to go after it till they get it. Yeah. And I mean, luckily, you know, just trying to get into the fire service when I did, it was really
2: competitive. So like I said, you know, I was trying out for 10, 12 departments around the area. And that would be multiple times. Right. And, you know, getting those letters in the mail and oh man, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, (laughs) didn't get this place. Let's see what the next one is. And then you see the process come up again. Hey, we're hiring. Let's do it again, man. Don't yeah. get tired of seeing my name on the paperwork.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. So this question definitely, uh, uh, it, it's in your realm. So for a promotion to company officer, are you in favor for a simulated computer fire scenario or a scenario involving real people, real companies where you're graded in real time at a training center?
2: I mean, in a perfect world, I would say the real scenario would be awesome because that's going to mimic as a company officer, that level, you know, it's so much easier. Well, I think it's easier when you see your conditions, give your size up in the truck and then step off. And then you've got the guys going to work and you can kind of divvy out your work and you're actually moving through your scenario. I know when I would when I did my process, you know, standing up in front of the screen and looking at pictures, Okay. And then kind of saying, like, I'm going to do this. And then you're kind of trying to run that Rolodex through uh-huh. your head. Uh-huh. Higher fire attack. You know? The, you know, are we getting backup line? Are we doing search? And, you know, it's just, you know, most – a lot of guys that come on the job are more tactile, hands-on people, which I'm definitely that way. So if I'm feeling – if I'm in the, the process and doing it, those reps are just coming back just like training. So, you know, in a, in a perfect world, that would be awesome. I think that would be great. Now I can see when you move into more of a, a comp, you know, a shift commander, like battalion chief, I could see where maybe that would play a little more into it. Cause you're kind of standing back and observing the picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Cause I've started doing a little bit of write-up time at my department to be able okay. to write up as a shift commander. So I could see where it would almost be. If you're going to go to that position, it'd be nice to have a blend of those, you know, some hands on some on screen. So
1: I like it. I like the answer. I do because it it makes complete sense. Uh, because it it's it's so much different. Uh, uh, back when I was on a uh, a part time department, I was going for an officer's position, and the way they did it was, was like uh, a simulated. They have a uh, they show you a picture of like an apartment on fire where smoke's coming yeah. out from the B side, and it's crazy how you're like okay, they're like pretty much it's yours. Run the scene, and it's like all right, yeah. you get there. And you're like, I'm going to do this. And then you're trying to think, I'm going to do that. But where when you do it hands-on, like you said, the hands-on part, it comes to people like that. Doing a computer-based oh, yeah. scenario to me is, it's to me, it's so much harder because you're having to think in your head, okay, these are the next steps I'm going to do. Whereas when you're in the at a training scenario, you're actually doing the reps.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, you know, that took me a while just as a company officer getting used to just standing back a little bit. And, you know, I, I've, I've always wanted to be the worker. So I'm to get down and pump the hose or get there and force the door. But we had a fire not too long ago where we had, you know, a rock and garage fire on the front of a bunch of two story duplexes. <clears throat> and it was just so weird when I went back and like looked at the footage that I had and things like that, it was not so much me doing things. It was just me doing like, you know, Quick three sixty, dipping my head around the corner, coming back around. My guy's pulling this line, another guy's pulling another line, and it just you know feels weird being a fireman for nine years and then looking back like Dude, I'm not doing anything, but then I show it to other guys and they're like, "And you doing you're doing exactly what you're supposed to. You're supposed right. to make sure that his stretch is going the way it is, giving him the information on is it extending into the house. Uh, this other guy's got kinks in his two and a half. He's not he can't come off the two and a half to fix that kink. So you got to get out there and fix that. You know, so." It's so weird just staying, you know, you just slowly start migrating out of the picture, you mm-hmm. know, the, the higher you go in the process. Right. So just right. a weird thing for guys that are hands-on.
1: Okay. It's been a hard learning curve for me. <laughs> um, with you riding the engine most of the time with three, you you as a company officer find yourself where you're you're gonna have to help your fireman stretch, make that oh, yeah. push, yeah, do that search. So how much how much how much um uh, how much harder is that on you instead of just going, Hey, I'm going to stand back and let my guys work where it's like, no, if I do that, the only guy that's on the line is having to do all the work.
2: Yeah. Well, luckily on that fire, we were riding four. So I had two guys in the back. So okay. that made it a lot easier. And me and my guys went back after that fire and we talked about, you know, if, if we had had only three or like my driver's going to have to, I was like, I mean, you're going to have to be the dude that's pulling this line. But <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's really hard when I'm having three, you know, the guy's making a stretch to the door, wherever we're going in. And then I'm trying to get an idea of conditions and maybe giving him a little information as I come back from my 360. But then pretty much it's, you know, going hands on. I'm dropping my Halligan at the door or sticking it in a wall. And I've got to hump the hose and maybe give him some advancement. Uh, you know, I don't, we haven't been to a ton of fires, but I know on one fire that me, it was just three of us. We had to step up, uh, go up a second story off the back side of a house, off the seaside, made the stretch. He got the line in and we could only go like five feet in because I couldn't get the hose to come around because it was making a 90 at the bottom of the stairs. Okay. So then I had to basically let him get a little bit in, hold him there. And then I had to use the tick and try to orient exactly where the fire was, trying to show him Then I have to drop back on the line and get him, you know, holler to do dumb steps outside to help me push it in. So it's very, I mean, when, you, when we go do trainings with four guys, you're like, man, this is so much easier. You can get ahead of the line, mm-hmm. try to help the guys get oriented in what they're doing. But yeah, when you got three, man, it's, it's tough. I can't imagine these guys that, that have been on your show that are running two.
1: 2 I'm telling you, man, anytime <laughs> I hear two, I'm like, just two. They're like, just two. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean,
2: that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, we're pretty lucky, too, because our engine companies are, you know, one to two minutes behind each other. I mean, we're okay. all on top of each other real quick. So a lot of times about you do a 360, get the line charts masked up, ready to go inside. You may already have a company rolling up, jumping on the line and pushing in. Okay. But it just, you know, just kind of depends on in the districts where we're at. So we've had a good mix of all types.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Um, next topic for you. Uh, let's see here. Are you still on your volunteer department?
2: No, I, I stopped doing that. It was probably maybe two years after, uh, my daughter, my first was born. Okay. It just got to be so much for a while, but I did, I mean, I stayed on there for a couple of years cause I had, you know, there was tons of loyalty there just for, they got me my start. They helped okay. me get where I am and things like that. So I really wanted to stay around and help push, you know, push the training that I had got from those guys before me to the younger
1: guys. Okay. All right. Um, with you being a company officer, you pretty much set the tone for your crew. You pretty much set the tone for your day. So how do you, or what do you do to keep a positive mindset within your crew?
2: I think the big thing is, is almost having either impromptu uh, meetings with your guys or maybe just one-on-one, you know, in the captain's office and stuff and trying to find out what they're passionate about, where they're trying to go in their career what they think that they're lacking in and then you know me do somewhat of an assessment on where i think they can improve and then that kind of gives me a basis of if you know if we're don't have you know something cool training wise or you know it's been kind of crappy weather here's some you know maybe one guy's passionate about ropes you're like hey man what we're gonna do is we're gonna go out in the bay and won't you give us a little stuff on ropes you know show us doing a system or Pretend like you're the team, you know, you're the leader and we're going to go into this situation and you're going to be the one running command on us setting up rope system to get, drag somebody up a low grade hill or something, you know, and, you know, and and a lot of it too, is I let those guys put their passion out. So if a guy's passionate about it, I'm like, Hey man, why don't you do a class for us in two weeks over this subject? And that kind of helped for me. I think it helps prepare those guys when they want to be, you know, get promoted or if they're senior men and things like that. And then that's their passion. So they're going to be way more into it and have more knowledge and get more information out of it to give to us than if Mm -hmm. I was out there and I'm like, man, I'm not really interested in the subject, but I'm going to look at some research and, you know, I'm going to try to make it interesting. But so, you know, I mean, passion, you can't reproduce passion. So if somebody's into that certain thing, they're going to do so much, you know, go way above and beyond in that subject or whatever they're teaching and, you know, setting the tone, I think it's good to have, you know, consistency. So, you know, we, me and my guys, we like to try to come in in the mornings, you know, start off with, dude, you know, cooking us a breakfast, you know, checking the rig off, obviously, getting everything right. squared away in the morning talking off going shift. And then we come up, you know, we'll make breakfast and then we'll kind of sit down and discuss our plan if we don't already have stuff scheduled out for that day. And then, you know, I've, our department's young. We've got a lot of guys that are really into working out myself included. So, you know, we always try to pick a time later in the afternoon where we're going to do workouts and things like that. And then, you know, just kind of, we always try to cook dinner if we can together to sit down around the table. BS. And then I don't know if I've heard you talk about, it, but we love like our, we have a TV in our kitchen right next to the table. So we've got pretty much fire porn playing all the time. Okay. We're constantly watching videos coming out. And, you know, I, I think that is a huge thing that a lot of people miss out on. Right. Because if me and you sat down and watch a fire, we're going to sit there and look at it and be like, Hey man, why do you, why do you think they stretched in this way? Or why do you think, what do you think you think that smoke's going to change when they, you know, when they make that push in there or if mm-hmm. they take that window, why do they take that window and stuff? So, you know, so you get to feel each other out to see what you're thinking. When you look at this picture versus what I'm thinking, I look at that picture and I think it just lets you understand each other's thought process. So when we show up to that fire and we both see the same picture, I'm like, well, I know he's thinking that he needs to do X, Y, Z. Right. And maybe I'm thinking as an officer or this, maybe we need to do this before we do that. Okay. So you kind of get a better understanding in it. I think it helps mesh guys together better.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But All right. It
2: is funny. That, that thing will just roll and roll and roll. And they'll come back <laughs> from a call and come in there. And there's like a fire in New York city or something. <laughs> um, uh,
1: What kind of schedule do you guys work? 24,
2: 48
1: from 48 okay is yeah. that is that the only schedule you've worked
2: yeah it is
1: okay yeah okay.
2: uh we have seen i've talked to a lot of guys that are running the 48 96s uh-huh. and I've done some training with guys and and they all love it,
0: it That's sounds yeah awesome yeah yeah
2: <laughs> i know the uh, initial it, thing it sounds like people you know are worried about child care being uh-huh. there for two straight days and stuff. so i it sounds awesome
1: okay no it, it's it's the same it's the same thing because like i was I was kind of hesitant, like, ah, but then like you hear, you hear like a lot of people say with the twenty four forty right, you get off that morning. If you don't have to work a part-time job, you know, you, you can go home, but let's say you do, you work a part-time job. So you're there for like, I don't know, eight eight to 12 hours. You finally come home. And then the next day, you're pretty much prepping yourself to go right back to work the next day. Where, right. as with the 4896, you know, you have, even if you're coming off of your 48 and you're working that first day, you have three other days to right. reset yourself. So like, I'm really like digging into it more, not just that schedule, other schedules as well. But like, I mean, I, I can say I was like, uh, man, I don't know about that two days. But if you really like, I sat, I sat down and I thought about it. like, luckily I don't, I don't work a part-time job anymore. So my first day I try to get all the husbandly chores done type things, but then that next day it's like, all right, you're pretty much just prepping to go back in where if you have that four day or that three days off, you know, it's like, Hmm. So I always just like talking to different individuals on what, what uh, schedule they work.
2: Yeah. I know you had uh, Dev Devin Craig on here a while ago and I I talked to him back and forth on Facebook and uh, he's actually coming to our symposium this year, but he, he works that schedule. And he was kind of explaining it a little bit to me. And I was like, how does it work? You know, with the training and stuff. Cause when I tell our guys about it, they're like, well, yeah, we're going to have to train for two straight days yeah. in a row. And uh-huh. make these calls. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, but they said, you know, I mean, it's a learning thing for the chiefs too. They realize, you know, it sounds like a lot of people you'd come in, you do your, you know, you do your training and you do like, you know, pub ed and stuff like that maybe on the first day. And then the second day is more, Hey man, clean the truck, make sure your stuff's ready to go do your stuff and stay in house and just make calls. You know, they kind of seem it sounds like most departments try to let up on the second day.
1: Right. So. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely more and more intrigued on that on that. Cause I mean, I, all, all I've worked for the past 16 years is 2448. That's all I know.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, uh, uh. A bigger city ne- next to Charlotte does like, I don't know what they, that we, they call it the Charlotte schedule, so it's hopefully I don't butcher it. It's twenty-four on, twenty-four off, twenty-four on, forty-eight off, twenty-four on, twenty-four off, twenty-four on, and then you're off for of four days. Sounds like FCMI or No, so it's it's and I hope I didn't butcher it. It's something to that yeah. nature. And then um, talk to some buddies up north. DC does twenty four seventy twos, and I'm like, I kind of yeah. like that one.
2: Oh yeah, I'm sure that's what everybody would want to do. But, but to do a that, city coming off a lot of money.
1: Yeah, but to do yeah. that, you got to hire a whole nother shift to do it. But yeah. I, I would say, as as um, as uh, time keeps going on, and we're getting more and more people are collecting more and more data and information. I think at the end of it all a lot of departments are going to switch because as calls increase, especially EMS calls, as, as those yeah. calls increase within jurisdictions and departments, the 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 strain of, you know, I, I've talked to guys that they're running a couple thousand calls, man. Like after midnight about yeah. uh, 10 times, you know, and then yes. they're there's yeah. just, you know, the sleep deprivation, the how the mind works. I think after a while, studies are going to show, hey, it's really beneficial for your personnel and your manpower to go to this. I, I think we'll, we'll we'll start seeing a, a, a different trend on that.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that's a big thing too, for us, because, you know, we don't run, you know, we're not riding in ambulances either. Mm-hmm. So we're not making the exorbitant amount of calls that they are. You know I mean? I think our engine company, I think we're running like 1300 calls a year or something. I think our department's like 36-ish, maybe 4,000 this year. I haven't seen the numbers okay. yet, but okay. So, I mean, you know, we're not super, super busy, but I can see where if you're running 20 calls a day on an ambulance, dude, you're going to be destroyed after a 48 of, you know, 40 calls in two days. I mean, right. that's insane. So right. I could see right. if you're in that kind of department, then it would be a whole different game. So Right.
1: Right. Okay. And, you know, as firemen tend to exaggerate too, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah. well, yeah. you know, what happens if we're busy? Okay. Well, what's busy? uh yeah. like yeah. two calls after midnight. Yeah, it's not yeah, really yeah, that yeah. busy <laughs> compared yeah, to other people really. I've I've talked to. Like some of us like to stretch it just just a tad.
2: You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I know some buddies that work in Lexington and you know they talk about their ambulance with back on the apron and they're out the door again, like they never right. see their firehouse.
1: Right. So, right. Okay.
2: That's a whole nother ball game.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um which characteristic to you holds more weight years of service education work ethic or on the job experience and it can be more than one
2: i would say the big thing would be off the bat work ethic just because you i mean it's it's super hard to instill that in people and you know within meeting somebody in a short amount of time you can usually tell if they're hard work or not uh you know we do a lot of stuff or i do a lot of stuff with the fools here in in central kentucky mm-hmm. and you can we'll have training set up or i'll just be organizing stuff for people and you can you can see the guys that are the difference between the guys that are running over to the cooler breaks and getting water and passing out you know 10 12 waters to people and then there's the other guys that are just shedding their gear like laying down like you
0: know like <laughs> oh i can't do
2: anything and I mean, you can just see it right off the bat, and that's, I mean, for me, when I've seen recruit classes and things at our department, you can't really teach that, right? You know, like the guy that walks by a piece of trash in the bay, he's gonna pick it up and throw it in the trash can, versus the other dude who walks by, and he's like, somebody else will get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, and <clears throat> you know, the on-the-job experience was one of those that I struggled with when I, you know, was looking at being from you know, getting promoted, because you can't, you know, the big thing for us is we can't make calls. You can't make structure fires you know like man if i wait three more years i'm going to get 20 more fires and then i feel like i'll be ready to get, get promoted so on the job training you know is so imperative but you can't make it happen so you have to go to outside training at least for us where we're a smaller department so you've got to go out and have these guys that do make three times as many fires as you do teach that give you that two or three day information that they learned in 10 years on 200 fires that you can get in a couple of days because you only go to four fires or, you know, 10 fires a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, uh, you know, that's what, that's the big thing I picked up from just the training aspect is, you know, if this guy makes more run or he's, or he gets to ride a ladder truck for 20 years, he's going to teach me so much stuff on the truck company that I'm not going to be able to learn in my 20 years at a smaller department.
1: Yeah. I like it. I like the answer. Um, you mentioned your fool's chapter. So uh, what do you teach? Like, what is your, Your 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 niche. My
2: niche would man, really. I'm you know, for the most part, once I got into the fire service, like this became my hobby. So before I had kids for probably 10 years, I was going to, you know, five to six trainings a year and doing all kinds of outside classes and stuff. So I mean, the thing that I'm super passionate about currently would probably be search. Like I'm really into this search and just, you know, trying to figure out because that's like one of the hardest ones to reproduce you know, Mm -hmm. getting ahead of a line with no protection in a house that you've never been in with, you know, potentially windows failing around you, you know, you don't know where the fire is, you know, heavy smoke or heavy heat, those things you can't really reproduce on a training ground. So for me, I really try to like extract all the information I can from people that have, you know, made lots of searches as a truck company or, you know, off a hose line or just searching in general, you know, as an engine company stretching in. Uh, but, you know, our full, I really like engine company stuff too. You know, I'm, I'm like a weird dude. So I, I don't mind going out and playing with different hose loads and doing different stretches and things like that. And okay. looking at, you know, better ways to carry tools or, you know, whatever, but we've kind of seen around the area for here that, you know, I think Kentucky, I want to say it's like 80% volunteer or something in the state. Okay. So a lot of us guys try to get together and just to go up to these smaller communities that are not going to get to make that many calls. And we're like, Hey, here's, some easy ways to do this you know here's if you do this hose load this is going to make it easier to get a you know a stretch or if you only got two guys riding on a truck because you only got two guys showing up to this possible fire here's how it's going to make it easier to do this and i think a lot of the guys that we train with from the fools and around the area have most of us have been volunteer at some point in our career and understand what they're going through so we can apply what we know you know, we're not like, hey, we're showing up with six apparatus. These guys are showing up with one truck and two guys, and they might be ghost pumping it. So you're trying to give them that information to apply it in that scenario. So I don't know. i mean, I'm saying I was passionate in one particular one would be kind of hard, but I mean, okay. search is definitely the one I've kind of dove into a lot lately. Like probably the last year or two.
1: Okay. All right. Um. You you did mention your... Uh, your your department or your area hosts uh, hosts a symposium. Um, for those that are near your area, like this is your time to to sell it, like that way because you know that that's it's what it's all about. These little micro conferences, these little symposiums that are popping up, it's great for individuals who can't afford like the FDICs and things of that nature to go to. Right. Where if they if it's in if it's within driving distance, you know, um, yeah, l- l- let's talk about it.
2: Yeah. So, uh, like I had said, uh, you know, when I came on, they ran this symposium. So this was before I started uh, my department, it started just in the area. And, uh, one of the captains would just bring in speakers from all over the country and just try to get these guys that are not going to be as motivated to go to outside training. They're going to bring those guys into our department and let them benefit from that. Uh, it's called the Georgetown fire symposium. It's on Facebook. Uh, I kind of have my wife help me run it a little bit because she's more like, you know, she's good at the computer stuff. I'm more like, hey, this is the guy I want to have come to the conference. Okay. Uh, Like I said, it's here in Georgetown, Georgetown, Kentucky. And then uh, the three speakers that we have this year is Keith Newman. He's from uh, Wichita. Wichita. Mm Yeah. I -hmm. think you had, did you have Mm -hmm. your
1: show? I did. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I actually listened to that one and I was like, dude, I'm going to get this guy (laughs) because we had had Frazier last year. Okay. And, you know, seeing the stuff that Wichita is doing is awesome. Right. So he was going to come down and talk about like top shelf culture. And I mean, okay. it seems like for right now, that's probably one of the best cultures around that you see, at least ah. on the internet.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then uh, we have Devin Craig coming.
0: Okay.
2: That's from uh trainer die. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and so, you know, I kind of hooked up with him just cause I was trying to go to smoke divers. And then he was kind of giving me some information on what to do, how to prepare. Cause I didn't know anybody from around this area that had even gone to that class. So I really had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, and then we have James Johnson. Are you familiar with him? Does the building James Johnson,
1: the building construction dude. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. Canada, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He okay. is. Yeah. So okay. I've been
2: trying to get him for like three or four years. But, you know, when we tried to get him the first time, he was, it was when COVID was going on. And then we had to shut down our conference. And then he couldn't fly over because of COVID and all that stuff. So, and then we're still trying to get one more speaker. Uh, but I haven't got the fourth yet. So it's usually with our class, it's going to be like two days. Uh, it is the, the January. And then let me look at my phone so I don't tell anybody wrong. Uh, the 20th and 21st, okay. And it's like 75 bucks for two days. I think we're going to do 50 dollars if you want to just come for one day. And it's I'd I'd like to branch off into hands on right now, but there's mm-hmm. not a lot of. It's hard to get enough people to make it function well. You know, to have like 10 to 12 guys to help set everything up and stuff. So that would be our our ultimate goal. Okay. Would be to have a speaking and a hands on going on. Okay. But We haven't got there yet. Well, we pretty much do it every year in January. And, uh, you know, for me, a lot of it is, I've, you know, I'm on the internet and listening to podcasts and looking at stuff on social media. And I just kind of go pick guys that I'm interested in listening to and what they've got good content. And I'll be like, man, I think the departments or this guys around this area need to use, you know, for, listen to this stuff. So, you know, I mean, we've got to have fields, uh, on, you know, and that was awesome. I mean, that was like, one of the biggest guys I've ever taught. He's so humble, you know, Aaron Fields from Seattle. I mean, right. he's so cool talking to him and we, you know, we've had like gear and Tim Klett and uh, uh, Brian Bassanelli and, you know, just, and and it's been awesome for me to be able to get to help. I kind of helped run the conference for a couple of years. And then my that, that chief is now getting ready to retire next year. So basically I'm going to be the one running it.
0: Okay. And
2: so, it's been awesome because he's kind of let me just do everything. And he's like, Hey man, don't mess this thing up. You know, Uh, (laughs) don't forget about this thing, but you know, he's kind of let me run it and it's been good. I mean, it's basically a mentoring thing that he's basically done. He's slowly giving me the full reign of this, but I love it because you get to go, you know, when these guys come in town, go pick them up from the airport or whatever. And you get to just talk to them and listen to these stories that they are telling you and get all these nuggets from them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Chief Scott Thompson from the colony Mm -hmm. brought him down. Talked to him, took him out to dinner and talked to him for like two hours. Uh, Justin Lorenzen from uh, Firefighter Rescue Surveys, j okay. out there. So, I mean, just so many guys that you get to extract. And that's, you know, I'm trying to extract all this information from these guys that are, you know, in usually bigger cities making a lot of calls. Right. Got a lot of crazy calls that you're like, man, this would happen maybe one time in Georgetown. But this guy's had it happen three times. And here's the three different scenarios he had. So. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I like the fact that you're you're and this is sponsored by your department right the symposium yeah
2: yeah so it's a, our department does yeah they put a large portion towards it and then okay. our uh, county department also usually gives us money to help run it okay. and then, uh, and then we get sponsors from like vendors and things like little little amounts there but the big thing is you know we usually you know we're not it's not like I'm making money or anything so we usually just get enough to have guys come to it. And then roll into the next year, maybe do it a little bit bigger or better, or eventually maybe at one point we'll be able to branch it off and do like a hands-on with that. So, but yeah, that's the big thing that was scared me is just running a conference, you know, I mean, it's not, ours is not by no means huge, but it's just very daunting when you're a new guy and they're like, all right, man, go after it, you know, call these guys, get them scheduled, get the, you know, hotel rooms, do this. And you're like, man, what if I mess up something?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, and that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Uh, that your department sponsors that man that just goes to show you right there like they they and I don't want any other department to take this the wrong way but like they care they see the value of bringing in different chiefs different firemen different captains everybody with different perspectives where this they're they're all trying to accomplish the same mission of having a love for the job so like that's kudos to Georgetown because that's awesome
2: yeah. I mean, we've been pretty spoiled. I mean, we haven't had a, a training center per se. We've had like a couple of stacked behind our station for a couple of years. And then our chief was just able to get us like a piece of land that the city has. And now it looks like the city is going to be giving us a decent amount of money to build like a nice size training center. Awesome. So, you know, that, I mean, and our chief's already telling me, he's like, Hey man, when we get this built, I want to have the symposium, have hands-on classes at this location. And then at this other location, you can do the speaking events and stuff. So, I mean, they're super supportive of it. I mean, he sees the benefit of it. You know, you're bringing these guys in. You're going to get guys more information. It just makes your department better as a whole. Mm-hmm. So,
1: mm-hmm. no, no, you're right. It, it is. It is, and it's. It's. Um, it's funny you mentioned his name. I actually get to see him next week. I'm taking a uh, nozzle forward class with Aaron Fields. Oh yeah. Next next weekend, actually, it's it's a two day class. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing his lecture. Um, yeah, I'm just because I've heard he's, nothing but great things oh, about yeah. him when I was before class and how I, I've heard him speak on many different platforms, but it's like the way he talks and how he talks, it makes me feel like I don't really know shit. Like it's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. It, it's and he's no, so humble too. Right, right. No fault to his own, but just the way yeah. he articulates what he's trying to say. It's like man, you know, like I thought I knew a little bit about this stuff, but man, I don't know, Jack, like this is crazy.
2: And the, you know, the funny thing is like just talking to him on the phone and getting him to come to our symposium a couple of years ago, like he has, you know, you think he's just like, you know, the information you get from him is, you know, hose advancement and how to, you know, advance, you know, do it easier and all this stuff. But the, the, the detail he's gone into of how to teach people, mm-hmm. like the way he breaks that down, that's, The best information that I've ever had, you know, just the way he's talking about how to get guys to understand stuff, how to use a common language between the fire service, how we're kind of screwing up on that. Yes. I might call an ambulance this. You might call it something else. You know, uh, you know, people are saying I'm laying 100 foot of five inch down. Other dudes call it sticks, you know, and all this different terminology. So. Just, I mean, he's, he's a super smart dude. I love his stuff, dude. Every time he has podcasts or something, I'm beating it up, man. Oh, absolutely. For three hours or something.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear his, uh, his lecture portion um, and, and getting down and dirty. Cause everyone that I've talked to that's taken the class are like, you're going to be tired. You're probably going to be sore. Oh, yeah. I did myself a favor. I listened to a buddy. He's like, Hey man, if, if anything, listen to this, go by yourself some true volleyball knee pads they're like the knee pads on your turnout gear aren't gonna do crap with this class so i went out i got me a nice pair i will put them on underneath my turnout gear and rock on
2: yeah dude it is a tough class we took it me and my brother-in-law and another guy took it up in columbus probably five or six years ago and i mean it it is it is. It'll work your dick into the dirt.
1: You'll
2: <laughs> <It'll laughs> be right, tired.
1: That's right here. And it's just like, yeah. okay. And everyone's like, but it's good. It's fun. But it, it's hard work. And, you know, yeah. it, 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 it I, I'm I'm actually, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it because that's the whole, the, the only way to get better is to get down and dirty.
2: Yeah, dude, mutual suffering is like after you guys are just dog tired, your arm, you can barely hold your arms, your legs are burning, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. we're going to make another push with this two and a half down this hallway. Dude, I had my brother-in-law who used to be a football player for a college around here, and he was pushing me down this hallway. We're flowing two and a half, and I'm basically just riding the two and a half, just working the hell out of it, going down the hallway. And there's three, four inches of water. And all we were doing, I wish we had it on camera because we were just sitting there hooting and hollering, like, oh
0: yeah, what? <laughs> He's just <shoving> me
2: Down <laughs> that hallway. It's just okay. so much fun, man.
1: Okay, I'm looking forward, man. I'm looking forward. Um uh before I let you go, is there any Uh, I I like to, I like to tell the guests that it's, it's, it's a, it's a podcast I created, but this is your, this is your platform. This is your time to say anything that you want to say to anybody out there listening. Uh, so I'll let you have it. The only thing I could think of is
2: I know I'd, uh, I'd talked just a little bit about it, but was me going through the process of the smoke divers program in Indiana. And I know a lot of guys, it's, it's kind of caught on, like a lot of guys are starting to notice, like going through the smoke divers process. And it's the same, you know, it's the Indiana, Oklahoma, and then Georgia Smoke Divers. So uh, me and another guy got to go to it last year in Indiana. I think it was in March. And, man, that was such a humbling experience because, you know, me and the guy I was with, we were working out. You know, I talked to uh, Devin Craig. He had gotten, given me a lot of information. They, they send you workout programs and how to kind of set yourself up for success. So, you know, not to sound cocky or anything, but, you know, when I was going into it, we had worked out for, you know, six months, you know, we're doing gear workouts, we're doing, you know, burpees and push-ups and mountain climbers and stuff, you know, running flights of stairs for hours. We had done all this stuff and I was kind of used to being pretty successful when it came to any type of fire training, you know, after doing maybe one or two, three reps, you know, something like that. It, it wasn't super, super, you know, we would get pretty, you'd feel, feel pretty good and confident at it. So me and him both kind of go into this process and we're like, all right, we're going to do this. So, you know, we show up day one or actually, I'm sorry, we show up the day before because you actually have to do a tryout to make it into the class. Okay. So we start doing this tryout. So feeling pretty good. So i start doing a, a, a hoist, man, my arms are burning and I'm like, dude, I've been doing this for a while. Why am I freaking out? You know, I think a lot of it was nerves and, uh, I don't know, honestly, but I'm, I'm struggling just trying. I'm like, I don't think I'm even going to make it into day one of this class.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I go through it, do it a second time past. So we're both in, uh, and the next day comes, you know, we start getting into it and, you know, I mean, I don't know how familiar people are with it and I did not make it very far in this process. I made it into like the middle of day two. Uh, and it was, it, it I mean, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, I remember when those guys, basically told me, they're like, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fail out on uh physical, like you just can't hang with the rest of the group. Like you're, you're slowing us down. So I was trying to push it towards, you know, day two in the morning, we're doing PT workout and full gear and all that stuff. The environment you're in is just like exactly what you think it is. It's, you know, you know, you've got these dudes that are big jack dudes that are in your face, just screaming at you, just telling, you know, keep doing it, keep doing it. I mean, it's, just, you know, it seems I've never been in the military, but it seems very militaristic, you know, and so they, they say basically like you're out you're, you're not hanging you know hang your webbing up walk back so i get back there and uh you got to do like a little interview as you leave and stuff to get information so they want to know you know what, what what was holding you up how things go and all this stuff so i'm explaining it to him and basically did i just like once i shed my gear off and i'm like you know physically totally exhausted mentally dude i just started crying and this one of the instructors came up and he's like dude you you were doing awesome you killed it you know, most people never make it, you know, the first, you know, the first time they do this. And I was just so heartbroken that I didn't pass. So we go in there and I talk to them. These guys are giving me, and all the guys are so awesome. They're all want you to succeed. You know, they're always coaching you up after, after the fact, you know, in the beginning they're basically, they're, they're, they're trying to mess with you, man, you know, they're going to see where you're going to crack at. Right. And, uh, one of the things, like one of the hardest things is I actually took a picture on my phone. And when I was driving away from there, I had a picture and I took a picture in the rearview mirror of like all the other guys working out behind me, continuing in class, and then seeing that picture for me to remind to remind me that hey dude, you don't always win. You don't always win. And you may think you're some really Badass, or that you're, you know, the, the the big fish in the little pond or something, and then you go somewhere like this and you get your ass kicked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean it was. It was awesome, dude. I mean, I know a lot of. It was short of FDT, and it was probably the best thing that I've been to, too. Just to just continually push yourself, and then you're like, man, I can't do this. And then some dude screaming in here, and you're like, dude, I've got to do this because I got to do it for this guy because I got to help him do this more, one more rep, or. And then the aspect, of just being humble enough to have those other guys that maybe a guy's struggling on a skills portion, so you're sitting there helping him do, you know harness conversions or whatever doing drags but then 10 minutes later you can't you feel like you can't do another two push-ups or run another tenth of a mile and the dude's like hey come on man you can do it come on dude come on keep pushing keep pushing so i mean i would say if anybody is looking you know they're like man my department you know i'm not motivated or i'm having trouble staying motivated or you know i want to see what my limit is that that is a class to look into i mean you will you will find your limit and you will find a ton there and i mean I took this year off and um, I think my brother-in-law is going to try to go. So I've been kind of giving him some information, trying to help him prep, but I'm looking to go. I'm going to try to do it maybe for my 40th, maybe my 40th birthday. I'll, I'll get okay. a smoke diver
1: tad. Okay. Okay. No, it is, it is a lot. Cause I mean, I don't know, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't know many people that have gotten it, whether it's Indiana, Georgia, Florida. I think there's one more that I'm missing, but either way, there's not many people that I know that get it on the first try. I mean, Devin, Devin's uh, a prime example. Like,
0: Oh yeah he, yeah. he
1: went multiple times. And then finally, uh, after talking to him, he, he stated his wife looked at him and was like, listen, every time you come back here, you're pissed off this, that, and the other. She's like, if you're going to go, you, you got to come back with it. So like that was yeah. his motivational factor of, I got to do it. And, it, to me it, it's scary like you you listen to people who are like this is what they do but when I talk to David Rhodes you know David Rhodes was telling me I, I'm not sure if we if we talked about that on the air or if it was privately but either way he was like the point of smoke divers is not like he's like it's not about the physical like aspect he's like we're not trying to to break you down through through that it's just it's a mental thing because once oh, your yeah. mind is at the point where it's like yo I'm tired. It's easy for you to go, all right, I'm done. But if you can learn to just like push yourself to go that extra mile, like, and I'm not a smoke diver, but like, I know when I incorporate my workouts, whether I'm wearing like a couple layers of clothing or I'm wearing my gear and I'm like, all right, I kind of just want to unzip it and stop. It's like your mind goes, no, stop. Because you can't do that in a fire. You have to make that push. Do at least one more round. If you can tear yourself, to so just keep going just a little bit every day becomes more and more and more. So I salute you for even sharing that because that right there, that shows you're humble because we have a lot of firemen that aren't humble. They, they, they portray yeah. the Billy badass mode and secretly deep down inside, they have issues that they're not open to talk about. But the fact that you are, man, just shows right there, like, you know, people don't want to share their failures and that's what, that's the whole yeah. part of learning and growing is sharing And learning from those failures.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was, like I said, it was super humbling. I mean, but man, the environment you're in is, I mean, it was awesome. I loved every minute of it. Just standing there in full gear, waiting for those guys to come out and start your PT in the morning. And you got the smell of smoke in the air and everybody's just like, oh shit, dude. Right. You got these dudes just circling you yeah like, oh yeah gosh, how, I know what did I sign up for <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've seen the pictures from Logan and basil and yeah I can imagine because like all these dudes that 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 are like telling you to keep going they've all done it they've actually oh, went yeah, through it yeah. and passed it but it is intimidating because it's like man I'd like to do it but it's like I like I, I uh, commend you because you said you're gonna try when you're 40. I kind of feel like the younger you are, you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be oh, a lot yeah, I mean, harder it, as you get older to to complete this.
2: I would say, you know, I mean, I've only done it one time. But I would say your physical aspect, yes, because you're younger. But I think that you're – not everybody, obviously. But it seems right. like when I, if I was younger, I would not have had the mental to even make it to where I did last year. Okay. So I think, you know, the offset of me physically is what was kind of holding me back because I don't think I did what I should have done to prepare to complete it. Mm-hmm. but my mental game was doing well. I mean, I still had a lot of days ago. So, I mean, you're, I can't, I mean, you got to have so many conditions in your favor too. I mean, that's six days of that too. I mean, six it was days. relentless, yes. relentless. Yes. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> Me and my buddy were laughing about when we got back, we were like, you were just trying, you were like running from station to station, just pouring water on your face, trying to get some.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. Because I remember listening to that episode with Basil Logan, one of them stated like, there's many different factors that help going into if you can pass. Cause like, they're like, you can be doing good the first two days, then you get sick. Yeah. And then like that third and fourth day, man, you, if, when you're sick, you're sick and your yeah. body's like, I can't do this. So you there are, yeah, you get hurt. Many deciding factors on that.
2: Even, I mean, even with your buddy, like, you know, I felt horrible when I was leaving too. Cause I was like, dude, I just left the guy that I've been training with for, you know, six, eight months. I felt like responsible for leaving him. Cause I knew that we were basically the whole time coaching each other. When I was failing, he was coaching me up when he was struggling. I was coaching him up. Mm-hmm. I felt horrible about that too. I was like, man, I just left my buddy there. I'm yeah, a battle buddy there. Right. So, I mean, yeah, dude, the mental aspect, but dude, it was, it was awesome. Loved it, dude. Awesome. You should, you should think about it, man.
1: I know. I know. Trust, <laughs> I, I I have, I really have. And um. Obviously, the closest one for me would be Georgia, but uh, I, I gotta wait and see the process and everything else. But it's one of those things too. Uh, and and people that I've met, a couple of fellow um, smoke divers that that I tell you, just because like let's just say I, I I I try and I never get it, doesn't make you a bad fireman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, no, and no, that's no, what's no, awesome no. about it. They'll tell you they're yeah. like you don't have to be a a smoke diver to feel like you have fulfilled. Your role in the fire service. I mean, to me, it's like an added, it's like a cherry on top. Like if you can say, yeah. yes, I am one, but at the end of the day, man, I just, I continue to do what I do. Maybe when my, when my girl gets a little older, cause that's a lot to tell my wife, like, Hey, I got to be gone for like five or six days on that. And the yeah. key and the training said, leading up to it and the training. So it, 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 yeah. it is a lot, it is a lot, but
2: um, yeah, that was a big thing too. It was a lot on the family. For me to be, you know, because I was working out every single day, I'd be running down to the firehouse and you know, one to two hour workouts and mm-hmm. trying to get a run in and stuff. So, you know, after a while, wife was like, All right, man, you better make this work it worth it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I had to make that phone
2: call, yeah, then I had to make that phone call, like I didn't pass.
1: So, <laughs> no pressure at all. So, I think, and, like, and the other it. thing was
2: too, I mean, all the guys that I worked with at our department, you know, me and my buddy were both, you know, we were like, Man, we we let everybody down you know they're they're gonna say this about us and dude when we got back everybody was so supportive about it which was awesome too because you know a lot of guys are probably worried like oh man what are people gonna say what are they gonna think mm-hmm. but you realize you know when somebody sees how passionate you are about something and they see you put in the effort then people are you know they appreciate that
1: awesome yeah definitely 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 man uh so i, I wish you luck um i will stay in contact with you because man like if you're able to, which I hope you are, man, if you're able to, to, to check that box off your goal, man, I'd love for you to come back. And I, and of course I know you can't, uh, most, uh, successful smoke divers can't divulge secrets, but you can let us know mentally, physically how you are able to. So I will definitely stay in, in contact with you, man. And I'm hoping for the best for you on that.
2: Appreciate it. That'll be, uh, I think they're doing their class 10 in March. Uh, next year so mine will be if i got in it'll be march of 2025 so i got a ways
1: all right all right um man i appreciate having you on i appreciate you uh uh uh, accepting i actually got a recommendation from von brown do you know yeah yeah von was like he he hit me up and he's like hey man i got a dude you gotta talk to i was like send it and so this is how this happens and that's that's what i want people to hear like I, I do uh, a good majority of the time reach out to individuals, but I also love and appreciate when I get either past guests or people that just listen, that know somebody and they are like, Hey man, I got a guy for me. They send me their information. I reach out. So I appreciate you accepting coming on man and, and, and oh, talking yeah, shop. Man, I appreciate the invite.
2: Yeah. Vaughn. Yeah. We, we, right. When I talked to you, like maybe a day or two later, we had a fool's meeting and I met up with him and me and him were, you know talking about fire stuff and i just happened to tell him what was going on and he was like yeah dude i was on there and he was like i think he was like your fourth or fifth guest he yeah he would yeah
1: yeah yeah around yeah.
2: there yeah. so i went on there and listened to it and i was like dude you're famous too <laughs> 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 so yeah it was funny but yeah that's a, that's a good dude man he is a solid dude
1: yeah absolutely absolutely i love this story too so um Va- vaughn if you're listening man i appreciate it. shout out to vaughn brown for for hooking me up with with uh ben peel here um, but seriously, thank you for uh, taking the time to do this, man. Um, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it, it man. I enjoyed it, pal. You, so yeah. stay safe.
2: Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to meet up at a class soon.
1: Hey, yeah, I'm down for it, buddy. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pal. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, Regardless of rank, career or volunteer, contact me at Student of the at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay
0: safe.